0: This is Chris Holifield from the I Am Salt Lake Podcast, and you're listening to Old Ute Radio. Welcome, it's episode 127, Big Dummies Not in Jail. Oh, cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Where you gonna run to?
1: Hey, Johnny McKeon here. We got an interview with Hal Sparks after his show at Club 50 West. Hal Sparks was on the uh, the five seasons worth of Queer as Folk. He was also in Spider-Man 2. He stars and directs in Lab Rats. He's also been a stand-up comedian since he was 15 years old. I can't
0: hide you rock crowd I ain't gonna hide you All on that day I said Don't you see I need to rock? Lord, lot Lord. or on that day, so I run to the river. It was bleeding around to, to the sea. What a fantastic song that is.
1: Man, I haven't heard this song in years. Yeah. How are you, buddy? <sighs> it's been been quite the week man quite the week quite the week as i suppose i I mean really i should be asking you that question how are you
0: (laughs) i'm not dead i'm not in prison (laughs) almost got arrested on thursday evening during the holy war of all places yeah yeah byu utah women's volleyball game while we were the game was about to go live Right. We're on the camera. The two talent are there. Hey, we're at the Huntsman Center. It's packed. It's crazy. Join us for the BYU-Utah game. Throw it back to studio, right? Right before that whole segment, the whole building goes down on lockdown. Allegedly, there was a robber who strong-armed robbed a U.S. bank, flew his vehicle to the University of Utah, left it there.
1: Yeah, yeah, because I got the campus alert on my phone, like the text message. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still clued into the system even <laughs> though I graduated. That's the one thing that they can – Yeah, so, yeah, I saw that.
0: So, man, really, what happened next? And so they locked down the whole building, and apparently the first visual ID they had of this alleged suspect was – Black pants, black shirt, black hat, and a beard. (laughs) Just just
1: giving me that description makes me think of you. Like, that's all (laughs) I'm assembling in my head, is a version of you.
0: And so, as a professional television broadcaster, I am one of the few people that wears the correct clothing to television, which is being all black so that you're not a distraction for the show. Anything. Lighting. Everything. Yeah. So, I'm at the camera area. And five feet behind me are five Salt Lake City police officers completely ready to take me down. Their job was to take me down or to identify that I was not the suspect. Wow. Because to remind people, I was wearing black pants, a black shirt, a black hat, and I have a big beard or a goatee. Were you holding a camera? Uh, Yeah, I was with the camera team. Yeah. And so... There's a $55,000 camera, there's a monitor, like, there's talent (laughs) that are being paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Like, it's the holy war, there's 4,000 people, like, watching me and observing what's going on. What a nightmare. And there's five cops ready to kill me. Yeah. Figuratively speaking. You know, I gotta be careful what I say. But I had no idea this was going on. And so, we finished the game, which was, it was a great game. Like, the women's, BYU's volleyball team, they're number nine in the country. Yeah are uh, running up national champions last year and they're phenomenal. And it's really weird being a man and 95% of the girls on the floor are taller than you. Like it's really- Is
1: that weird for you? Does that give you a complex? No, it's just weird.
0: Yeah. Like being at belly button level. Like it has its advantages, but you know
1: I don't know. I, well, I guess I'm taller, so I guess I don't really have that problem as often. Yeah, and
0: I'm not short. I'm like 5'10, 5'11. Yeah, like yeah. I'm above the national height. Yeah, I wouldn't call you short. No, but it's just huh. weird. Like, when there's a six foot three woman like next to you yeah like, and i don't mean to disparage them it's just no like, hey, i get it i get it. it's it's it's, it's not it it's day. not
1: a usual occurrence for yeah. you to be surrounded it's not like you've gone into an elevator filled with giraffes like it's it's weird to be surrounded by all these tall things
0: yeah like when i'm around seth Tippett or utah jazz guys like it doesn't bother me as much because i know there's a lot of tall men in this world right yeah but tall women it's just kind of it's like wow you're really tall and you're really beautiful like <laughs> There's a
1: whole lot of you, like it's wow. kind of cool. You, you getting some crushes, Sasha? I got, to, I got, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's my life. So, so did
1: the cops? So the cops? So five cops are mulling around you. What did they say something to you?
0: Know, you? They said, they said nothing to me. So at the end of the game, my boss or the unit manager runs down. And he goes, "Are you okay?" I go, "What are you talking about? You thinking I screwed up on my job or something?" Yeah. He goes, "Yeah, they thought you were the suspect for the." Strong armed robbery because in our headphones what we had heard was there was a shooting on campus. Yeah. We didn't hear that it was a suspect at large. We heard there was a man with a gun on campus. Whoa. Which in this copycat world brings up a whole different paradigm. In yeah. Country, right. Yeah. And so, so
1: in your head, the vi- so your head, this perpetrator doesn't look anything like you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And so he tells me this story, and I just kind of chuckled it off. I was like, ha-ha, that's funny, you know? Yeah. And as we're striking or breaking down the set, you know, rewrapping the cables, taking away the monitors, cleaning up after ourselves after this production, the head of the Huntsman Basketball Center at the University of Utah comes up to me because I've known him for a long time, and we have a good relationship. And he goes, and I actually I walked up to him and started to ask him, hey, what happened? He's all, yeah, they were completely ready to take you out. Whoa. Like, not just handcuff you, but take you out because you were a strong-armed robbery, which means it's like a Class A felony. Yeah. They can shoot.
1: They can legally shoot you. No, no, no. They, that's why I was asking if you were holding a camera or, like, a gun-shaped yeah. stick or something. Like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so the greatest irony of this all, the only reason why the Huntsman Center was on complete lockdown, which means none of the fans, none of the staff could leave or enter the building, was because... The police department thought the suspect was me on the floor blending in with the television crew.
1: Like you just, you robbed a bank and now you're just picking up a camera. What kind of skill set does this robber have? Like that his ability to, like, like, is he a secret agent? Like that's like.
0: Let's see. And then, and it still didn't quite bother me yet. I was laughing it off. And then I was pulling the fiber going up the corridor to the truck. And that head of the Huntsman Center, was was three older women who I assume were arena staffer from the athletic department. It didn't look like le- Liz Abel, but it looked like mm-hmm. they were important. And they, th- and he was like, oh, there's our suspect. Whoa. And I looked at him. I go, no, I'm an alumnus of this university. I'm a member of the media. Like, I cut off the bullshit. I was yeah. like, you're not this making isn't funny. This isn't yeah. funny. yeah. I know that. Ooh,
1: I bet you got so pissed. I know you. You got pissed. Yeah,
0: yeah, because it it goes from lightheartedness to everyone teasing me. Yeah, It's like, you don't tease me.
1: Yeah, you tend to cook in the spotlight when it's like that. You're like, fuck that. Like, not happening.
0: And then my dumb head starts thinking about it, and I started getting really mad about it. Like, Because then I get home, and I go on Fox 13 and ABC4 and the Tribune's apps, and I look at it, and the guy's got blue pants, a black shirt. He's wearing a vest and he's got a straw hat. Like it looks, and he's got, he's like got a skinny face or a meth face. He's got black hair, like dark. He looks nothing like my caricature profile. Yeah, And, you know, started thinking it. I was wondering if I was getting ribbed. Yeah. Like if he was lying to my boss about this because of maybe you heard my podcast, our podcast from a couple of weeks ago where I just, decimated the university athletic department or he was trying to be cool and create this whole scenario.
1: Maybe maybe he was just trying to be lighthearted because of how serious the situation was. Yeah. And maybe like he realized, Oh yeah, you're not the kind of guy to joke around with about stuff like that.
0: But how do they not know who's on the floor at a basketball game? Like I had credentials on my wrist. I had the Pac-12 bracelet. Dude, that's what it's like. I mean, that's,
1: to me, like, you're describing, like, something, I, I I fear that every day when I'm surrounded by a group of cops, like, looking out for somebody, like, yeah, that's what it's like, man, you're, you're feeling it, like, that's it, right there
0: And then, so, I wonder if they went to their cars and, like, did this whole profile of me and
1: How much did they Google? How much did they research? How much, like, detective work did they actually do? Or did they just look at you? Well, what's really scary is your whole life hung in the – your life, your career. Yeah. You're in the middle of your job all hung on a vague description
0: that you barely fit. Me getting on ESPN, getting tackled in the middle of a Pac-12 floor. Dude,
1: that is going to go viral. (laughs) There is a million cameras in that state. Like, (laughs) that would have gone – that would have been on every single thing. Tosh.0, you know, ESPN, like –
0: and I hate doing what if scenarios because they're not practical, yeah. logical. Well, it didn't happen. But had I been tackled to the ground and arrested, would I ever been able to work? Yeah. Again. Yeah. Because that's a major thing to be yeah. accused of a strong armed robbery at U.S. Bank.
1: Yeah. Allegedly. Like how good? Like that just doesn't look good. It's just not a good look. No, okay. would you? Yeah, I, I I would probably if that happened to you, I'd probably recommend a makeover, maybe right. like maybe get a haircut, wear shave your beard, yeah. <laughs> wear some natural colors, maybe you know, maybe something warm. And yeah.
0: so I get home about eleven thirty, twelve o'clock. You know, after a ten-hour workday, pretty tired, had some beers, yeah. and my whole thing was, and I'm on Salt Lake City Police Department's Twitter. <laughs>
1: You're not letting this go. <laughs> no, I was not letting Don't it go. Gumshoe Bloom <laughs> is in full effect.
0: <laughs> and I've got a great photo of me with then police chief Chris Burbank. Oh, right. Yeah. current uh, police chief Diamond. Diamond, in, yeah. Down in the south. And I was like, I should really tweet this at them saying, I'm not the bad guy. Huh. And they should apologize to me. But it's like, I didn't do it because I wasn't drunk enough, but... I still want to do it now. Do you, you you really like poking the bear, don't you? I love poking the bear. You love poking I, the
1: bear. Like I you got off. It's the cops, man. See, that's 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 just a cultural difference between us. Like I I I'm no, the less I see or say to a cop, the better off of course, I'll be. that
0: whole Dave Chappelle bit with Chip where they're yeah. lost driving and yeah. stone, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, like, excuse me. Yeah. I need some directions. <laughs> now I'm a little, he's telling the cop stuff that he should be saying, well, I'm a little bit high. <laughs> and we're just trying to find, hold on, buddy. You're on Fifth Street. <laughs> Dude, I saw Chappelle. How was he? I went to Chappelle. Oh, my goodness. I could talk about this for like two hours. Okay, At, so here. What? what? Yeah, uh, le- Here, let le- um. I saw Chappelle on Monday at the Capitol Theater. I've never been to that theater before. It's a fantastic venue. It's, it's such a better venue. So I saw Chappelle a year before at a Brevinel Hall. I don't like that venue for comedy. No, like it's too big. It's, it's too, big. too. It's not intimate. It's 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 meant for like large orchestras. It's for not families. meant. Yeah, it's not meant for one man talking to a bunch of people. I really Capital Theater. It was so intimate. It was so nice. Like like you could do crowd work and it could be organic, which is a really hard thing to do in a theater. So, yeah. So Chappelle came out. He had an opener. His opener. His name was uh, Muhammad. Now, this guy, his joke writing was really tight. Like he had really tight and he was multi ethnic multi racial like this guy could he could open for like russell peters he could he's perfect to take on the road, especially when you have like a diverse group of like cultural different people and he's smart enough to write jokes, so he'd be a great guy to bounce ideas off of he was fantastic and then uh, uh his uh feature was of uh, 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 Don L. Rawlings, he's the guy I'm rich, bitch! You know, Ashley Larry <laughs> yeah. That was his opener. When I saw Ashley Larry come out, I was so happy because I was excited because I knew that Chappelle's traveling with, you know, one of his boys one of his, like, creative partners so that's fantastic. So, when I saw Chappelle a year before, he didn't have, like he didn't bring anyone with him. His energy was really low. Like, I, he was getting back into it, you know It, 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 it was a little disheartening you know, like, it, it showed, like, how you know, rusty he was. And he was and,
0: getting heckled a lot and boot yeah. off stages.
1: And, yeah, like, that was during the Connecticut incident. Was, it was, like, right either before or, after, or right after that. So, like, I was really nervous seeing Chappelle again. Like, I was hoping he hadn't lost a step, you know? He came back swinging. Nice. Chappelle is back. A new hour he's working on? Yeah, nice. he's working on a new hour. He, he used a little bit of material. It was about... 30 70 and then with like, like about like way old material like some eight uh years ago. the stuff from a brevenal Hall he used some of that stuff like about 20 minutes worth but then you know he did about you know 25 minutes of crowd work and then he did about 40 minutes of like new new stuff that it was it was good it was it was fantastic like he's so funny because like when he like seg- segues into his bits like he does like physical cues like he did this one bit where he was talking about uh uh, men's rights and he stood up on the speaker like it was a soapbox you know (laughs) when he did the bit and then like he did nothing oops someone's calling me and he pulled out his phone and then he did a whole bunch of stuff about the phone like it was that that was hilarious so like he's able like the way he transitions like watching him transitions amazing it's like it's like watching like a jujitsu guy get like the rubber guard like it's fantastic like you see him like slide his way in and he does it so effortlessly And organically, it's fantastic.
0: That's his charisma. Yeah. Very few people have great charisma. He's one of those people.
1: Yeah, he can totally, he could draw you just right in. And he did. Like, and he even had his DJ, the hype man. He had his hype man go just a little bit extra long. So the crowd was getting impatient. Like, come on, Dave, come out. So then when he came out, people were
0: pumped. White audience mixed audience
1: mixed audience uh, a lot of black people in the front row jr the superstar he was in the front row it was his birthday happy birthday jr um uh, let's see a couple other brothers was in. it was really funny because Donnell Rollins was rapping some song you uh, uh, ain't worry about nothing it's like Fetty Whopper one of those ones I can't remember which one I ain't worry about nothing and then he would just say the chorus and then <laughs> and then he put the mic in front of like like you know the crowd's face like jr said it like uh, uh, he went to this other brother the other brother didn't know what the words were. <laughs> And he just started tearing into him. It was fantastic. Yeah, I know Jay Whitaker was there. Uh, uh was he? Yeah. Uh, I went to the 9:30 uh, show. I went to the second one. Uh-huh. So I didn't see him, but I saw a lot of people I worked with. I saw like Nate Smith. He's on U92. E- DJ E-Rock was there. It was it was cool.
0: Yeah, I had tickets to go, but I was too damn tired. Oh man. Like it's just it's hard for me to make those early more like the was it a Tuesday night show? Monday or Tuesday, yeah. Yeah, because my work... It was Monday. It was Monday. Because my days off are Tuesday and Wednesdays. Uh-huh. So I go all the way through the weekend, and by the time I've worked 55, 60 hours, I can barely move on Tuesday. Oh, no. I get that. But I would Because that's a great venue. I saw George yeah, It's a Carlin fantastic vi- Oh! Yeah. I'm jealous. And that was a really bad show, too. Yeah? Was, like, he did not get on the... Is that the one thing. where someone passed out in the audience? No, this was right before he died, like six or eight months oh, before Oh, when he was he bitter. Yeah, I can't watch his last was, special. It was 2001, like three months after 9-11. And so he's got this bit called a list of people that ought to be killed. Yeah. And so he starts it off and he's like, well, you take this group of pretentious people, and what you do is you put them in a 747 bone, you fill that son of a bitch up with gas, and you slam it straight into their big prize building, this being the Mormon church. You know, Mormon Oof. people. So- and the place went fucking silent. Really? And my buddy I went with gets up and he goes, fuck yeah, George! And George, like, takes a pause and he goes, sit the fuck down and shut up. Whoa. And then he just got into a set. Like, it was angry George. Like, mean do you, George Carlin. Do you think, like,
1: do you think he was just... Do you think he really felt that way or do you think that was just his his gimmick wearing thin? You know, I wonder that. Like, with his, with his last stuff, did he feel like... I? I just can't believe how bitter, like, he could be. But I don't know. I could. It's so tough because he's such a complex guy because I've read his autobiography. You know, I've seen all of his stuff. I've seen his stuff before when he was clean, like class clown. And, like, you know, and then he went to seven dirty words. It's.
0: Once his wife died, I think he gave up on life.
1: Oh, yeah. Kelly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because, like, even back then, like, the thing I remember most when he gripped the microphone is his hand was completely purple. And if you remember his very last HBO special where...
1: I, I couldn't watch it.
0: His hand was purple there, so he wasn't getting blood through his body. Like, yeah. When you're making a fist and your hand goes bright purple, you're not getting blood. He had like five heart attacks. Seven. Yeah. 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 And... Wow. But it was a great to see him, but yeah. I don't think I laughed the whole time. It wasn't a fun It was set. uncomfortable. It was just him ranting and raving, but... That's great when Carlin did that, yeah. but when he's too mean, it's not fun. But yeah, great venue though. That's
1: yeah, great. I love the venue. It's it's. I'm excited to see more shows there. Um, yeah, Chappelle, he's back, and it gives me hope. It's weird. I entertainment is super important to me because like real life really sucks. You
0: know? Because I, I walked out of the. Kevin Hart, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Because I had really bad seats in the Maverick Center. It's Maverick Center is tough. A horrible place to see comedy. It's for. a tough
1: place. To, it's like a barn. Yeah, it's like a, well, you know, I, I like Maverick Center. I, I it, it depends acoustically how they set it up. Well, like the
0: speakers are all blown out.
1: Yeah, it just depends. It's tough. Like uh, uh, comedy, because you want to accommodate a ton of people, but you don't want to perform. You know, five or six shows in a week. Yeah. So, you know, you could do one or two shows a night, maybe just one show a night. It's really tough. Like, you know, you have to weigh that. Will your energy be better or worse doing, you know, five shows in a row? Because I know he did, you know, he did Wise Guys once. He did like a whole week, like two nights a week for like five days. And he
0: sold out every single show. Because that's the only way you can do it. You Because there were like 20,000 people there. Yeah. And you there were people there that aren't comedy fans. Like, you yeah. could just see the getup of the skanks.
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> That girl. They were going to the show. Yeah. It's just the show. Whatever the show is that we – we're going to the show. (laughs) That's what it is. (laughs) They got the hoop earrings with the
0: uncomfortable shoes. They're going to the show. And then to be lectured, like, if you look at your phone, you're getting thrown Well, no. They just have to do that, though, with the
1: phones. Okay. How do you feel about that? It's fascism. You, Yeah.
0: But I mean, it's another man trying to control another man. And that's mainly why I walked out.
1: I went to Taylor Swift. Yeah. Those tickets were worth hundreds of dollars. Like three to
0: four or five, six hundred dollars.
1: The girl in front of me the entire time was recording on her cell phone. It was horrible. Who's going to watch that footage? She was like recording like every song. And then she'd like, stop, take a photo then record every song. And it's just like, but you know what? That's what made her happy. Yeah, I know, but like at the same time, she's holding up a camera right where I'm trying to look. I, I, I personally really enjoyed that there weren't any phones at events. Phones at events are like they're just
0: they're so distracting. I don't, don't disagree with that yeah. sentiment. I uh-huh. if I'm if you, I'm you going, just don't like the force being applied. I yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. like them telling me that I can't do something because I, I don't like being it's told not a that constitutional either. Constitutional violation, mm. but it's damn close. Well,
1: because you, if they told you, "Hey, man, don't take a photo," you wouldn't take a photo. You 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 are an adult. You would be trusted enough. You, like you could have your phone on you and look at it and yeah. not take a photo. You know what I mean? If they told you, right. it's it's the problem is is it's they're doing it for everyone. It's just a big sweeping, grand gesture, and it sucks yeah. because because you know like I'm a responsible adult. I wouldn't take a photo. I don't like taking photos like unless I have to, for, like my job or something. Like I I prefer to keep my phone away.
0: But it's a weird thing because. You know, I was lucky enough; I didn't have to pay tickets because I work in media. Yeah, exactly. But had I paid sixty or eighty bucks, or actually was able to have a girl go with me, and yeah, hundred fifty ticket to bucks, the show. Yeah, you lose a fan when you kick them out. Those thirty-seven people. Or yeah, ever,
1: yeah, it got up to about thirty-something people. Yes,
0: they'll never be fans, Kevin. They'll never watch his movies. They'll never do anything.
1: Yeah, but think about the potential of them releasing a video, though.
0: Get be funnier. Come up with more material.
1: Yeah, but it's 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 also I think just. It's like I don't know. Like they put a video of Kevin Hart, and then they get you know a hundred thousand hits on YouTube. That's like ten bucks or something. They're, they're missing
0: money. I think it's but I think see, it's a money a, thing it, too. That's a different copyright issue. Yeah, because Kevin Hart's team can go to YouTube and say cease and assist on th- yeah. on this tour. Uh huh. But that should not in- Give them the legal right to mandate you can't take a photo for your personal photo collection.
1: Yeah, but the problem is, is, like, with the internet now, everyone is trying to get famous and get their voice out there. What's to stop someone from making a scene at the show, you know, with their camera? You know, like, I, who knows? Like, who knows? He's been touring the world, and, like, who knows the kind of stuff he's gone through? Right. Yeah, I, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I don't know. I'm torn about it myself. Like, I don't like, I don't like being kicked out. Like, the whole, like, if you, they see your phone, they kick you out. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, they do that at movie premieres, too. I go to a lot of movie premieres. I, some guy had an Apple Watch, and he got kicked out, you know? And it was on. But, yeah, it was on and flashing, and they, they just saw the light, and they're like, you're out,
0: you know? Yeah, see, that, that's a, that's, that's a bully-type behavior. Isn't it? Yeah. I don't appreciate that. No,
1: you don't. You don't, and you shouldn't. You shouldn't at all. I completely understand where you are coming from. Yeah. Like, I understand you completely. Like, I'm just saying, like, it's tough because, you know, some people can't be trusted with their phones,
0: and some most people can it's just, it's tough, you know. Because it's, it's a weird thing. Like, I'm a father. What happens if my son broke his arm and I had to, yeah. get it? Like, you, you can't do that. Like, what if you have an elderly parent or grandparent who depends on you, or is reminding you to get insulin or whatever it well, is?
1: Well, they said that you can just leave your seat and go in the hallway. Ah, boo. <laughs>
0: Getting up. What if you're fat? Like, you gotta hike all those stairs? <laughs> like, this is what it's really
1: about. You just don't wanna leave your seat, go into the bathroom and check your phone. Someone will drink my beer. Yeah. I'll oh, get
0: because gonna- <laughs> I'm so hot.
1: Someone's gonna eat all my nachos. <laughs> you just don't wanna get up from your seat. No, That's tired. what it is. You're taking a stand. What are you, Rosa Parks? <laughs> the Rosa Parks of the Maverick Center, Sasha Blue? <laughs> I'm not going to move. I'm not going to move. Yeah, yeah, follow me. Follow me. You're like tweeting. Oh man. You just don't want to get up. You just my feet hurt.
0: Man. So when we get back from commercial break, we actually have a commercial to play today. Nice, cool. We uh we have the great house Sports. Yeah, it's fantastic
1: interview. Well, thank you, Johnny. Thank you, Sasha. What's up, everybody? This is Marcus from the Dirt Pod Podcast, along with Guy and Alan. And on Sunday, October 4th, we are going to be recording the Dirt Pod Podcast live from on stage at Wise Guys Comedy Club in West Valley. Tickets are available for only five bucks, so make sure you get your tickets now online at wiseguyscomedy.com. And don't miss Dirt Pod Live, Sunday, October 4th, only at Wise Guys Comedy Club.
2: Hashtag Dirt Pod
1: Live. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at Dirt Pod Podcast. House Farts. Yep. You Correct. did five seasons on Queers, Folk. It's true. You were in Spider-Man Two. Yep. You were on I Love the Eighties. Uh huh. You've done it all. So I just have the I just have to ask the question. Like you've been you've done talk soup as yep. well. Do you consider yourself like an all around entertainer? Do you consider yourself a, co- a comedian first or an actor second? How do you approach your career? And in- oh, none of them are activities. They're all identities. So I don't do stand up. I am a
2: stand up. I don't act. I'm an actor. I don't do music, I'm I'm a musician.
1: Yeah, that that too, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, So there's no second. They're all kind of... The the best analogy I can think of is... um, If I asked you, what do you like better, eating or breathing? You could probably do without one slightly longer, but the minute you stopped, you'd be in deep shit. And so the idea is that all of them are important. And you can... They're all delivery systems for different arts. They're not... Comparable at all. I like, I view acting as straight up channeling. It feels like you just get your soul out of the way and another person steps in. It's a, it's, that's what it feels like when I do it. I don't know how to describe it. It's not technique, it's abandoned. Um, Music is a collaborative effort with a bunch of other people with a specific energetic idea in mind. The song has to occur the way the song sounds. Stand up is total freedom, but also total like uh you just isolate it it's just you you have there's no safety line you know it's a you're walking a tightrope the entire time um directings is like is nothing to do with any of them like being funny or being conscious of your dramatic capability can inform everything from an abstract point of view but each activity is totally different so they don't
1: overlap and they don't separate Oh, wow. Okay.
2: Other than that, um, I have no opinion.
1: (laughs) So was it difficult to do the role in Queer as Folk? I know, like... Well, dramatic television is the single most, especially
2: relationship-based dramatic television, is the single most uh, difficult work you will do as an actor. That's the worst. It's the most damaging emotionally. It's the hardest work to do. Because you're effectively, because you're doing drama and you're doing relationship drama you are living in betrayal or sadness for weeks on end every year. It doesn't matter if your character's gay or straight, it doesn't matter if they're the married one or the divorced one or whatever it is, it's gonna hurt and it's gotta hurt or it's not a trauma. Uh, So all the difficulty of Queer as Folk had nothing to do with the content that everybody fixates on. It was strictly that, and the best example I can give is, the birthday scene that Michael had, where he's they, Brian throws him a party, outs him in front of Tracy. Okay, in that scene, we took two days to shoot that scene. Like a hundred extras, um, you know, four main players. Big scene where Brian outs Michael in front of Tracy. She feels betrayed. That's where she finds out he's gay. You know that he's kind of in line. It's just like harsh. At one point, I was sitting on the couch while they were resetting a light. There's a hundred people around, not including the crew. Mm-hmm. And I'm sobbing my eyes out. I mean, I can't, like uncontrollably. And the te- the, uh, our, our, our producer, Sheila, who's great, comes over and she goes, Are you okay? And I went, I've just been betrayed by my best friend 26 times in a half an hour. No. You know, and that's, that's the hard part. You know what I mean? The getting into the character, having him be gay, is is, is qu- quite frankly uh, a, a peripheral aspect of the reality of the character. Because if you're dealing in love and hate and heartbreak and hope and all these things, these are all universal emotions. So. The, the rest of it's just periphery. If I was playing a guy who fell in love with an alien, nobody would ask me those questions. Yeah. Is it weird to love an alien? You just go,
1: oh, I just believed that. That's it. You know what I mean? So but. you really commit and throw yourself into it. Because like, even when you do your like your stuff on stage, like you're, really, you're living it, aren't you? Yeah, you have to be present in what you're doing. Otherwise, there's no reason to do it. Wow. It just isn't. It's just like, don't bother.
2: Especially stand-up. Because you have to give a fuck about what you're talking about to such an extent that you can, you're able to say it twice with the same fervor. Telling a joke is not the job. Telling a joke twice or five times or twenty times is the job. That's what makes it work, you know. And you have to commit to that. That's the art of the work. Is you got to commit to doing that. And and in, you know, spe- specifically something like Queer as Folk, you can't have any like like any hooks in you in your psyche that hold you back from being in that space you can't have this homophobic reflex or fear of connecting with another human being or any of that stuff if you're actually going to accomplish the role because it'll read it'll look it'll reek of that kind of bullshit yeah and um, and it's just like comedy like you have to commit to being my t-shirts say comedy does not equal cool and there's a reason for that because I think cool kills comedy if you're worried about looking good you're not that funny or at least you're not as funny as you could be you have to be willing to be a jackass to some extent you have to to be willing to be embarrassed because what you're doing is you're being embarrassed on behalf of the audience you're allowing the embarrassment to take you on and you're fighting it off they're watching you wrestle a lion and so they're afraid of this idea they think about it but they don't address it or speak of it so you've got to be able to say it, be comfortable saying it so much so that you're funny saying, it, which is a lot of work. If you want to talk about anything meaningful, if you're just talking about fucking groceries, who gives a shit? You can, you can march through those jokes every day. But if you want to say something worth hearing twice, you know, then then you got to commit. You got to swing for the fences.
1: Well, so how do you juggle all the things? Because I know you do your show Lab Rats. Mm-hmm. As well, I haven't, I haven't seen that yet. Mm-hmm. You're not exactly the, the demographic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So tell me about that. Like, what? what how does that show go? Like, what? it's
2: it's a it, it's a superhero sitcom essentially. All our kids have bionics, and I'm a billionaire scientist. It's like, it's like a comedy version of Tony Stark, uh, and Elon Musk is a complete egomaniacal <laughs> jackass, um, and it's so much fun. You know, the funniest thing about it is, the playing a character who likes himself is the most is one of the rarest characters you can play in anything because we are so everybody thinks that um, it's so important to have uh... to be vulnerable to show reality in a character that so much so that you can't even have a character who views themselves as invulnerable without some sort of weak spot that people can grip onto i don't want to fucking grip onto that i want to see Al Capone and not give a rat fuck why he does it I didn't want to see Anakin Skywalker, I give a fuck why Darth Vader's an evil planet blowing up prick. He just is. And it's about, uh, because the, the things we're confronted with in life... If you see a lion coming at you, that it doesn't help you to go, oh, it's got cubs. It's going to fucking eat you. And there's an element of you've got to do something to save yourself in that moment. So this need for vulnerability at front thing, just especially when it comes to comedy, when being a dick who's in love with himself is one of the funniest focal points. From Blackadder to Steve Martin's early stand-up to... Um, Inspector Clouseau, Clouseau stopped being funny when he stopped being a dick. The minute he starts falling down on accident as opposed to falling down because he was trying to show off, he's not funny anymore. He's sad. And so being fully into myself as a character on that show is so liberating because I can do all this prat-folly bullshit or look silly, and my character has earned it by, by being a complete asshole. And, and all the vulnerability is handled separately. It happens in its own moments. It's not overlapping. And so it's just a joy, it's just a joy.
1: Is that what drew you to the role?
2: That and the organic jokes and the fact that the writers come that, from that 70s show and yeah. we had a dick joke in our pilot and they didn't take it out.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah,
2: I was amazed, I was amazed that that joke got in. It was, wow. uh, yeah. It, it was literally the home automation software is talking in the basement, and uh, Leo, my new stepson, is down there, and he goes, "That thing's in the basement." I thought it was just in the living room, and they go, and they go, "Oh no, he's everywhere." And then the home automation software he goes even in my shower and he goes yeah and Eddie the home automation software goes yeah and by the way nothing needs to be that clean sporto <laughs> like what that's that was in a disney pilot wow that's a that's a masturbating in the shower joke it's hilarious <laughs> so i was just like I, it was in the script and i was like if they managed even the fact they tried to write it into the script i love these guys much less it actually made it on the air yeah. so Yeah, I have such a the writers are terrific I get to pitch jokes they're very open oh cool you know I've directed five episodes now oh really so I'm in the DGA now because of this show it actually
1: has been very pivotal for my career to do it so is it very easy for you to pitch the jokes like do they let you do that on set or do you have yeah. to come with them ahead of time usually i will do clean up on a joke i'll let them i'll do what's in there i'll do the
2: alts they suggest and then i'll go i also have one if you want to hear it and they'll go yeah let's roll on it. oh cool and uh and then uh, a couple of times when our vi- our director actually we were getting ready to move on the shot i'm like i have a pitch if we can hold on and he goes he goes all right we're, we're late but what is it and i pitched the joke, and he goes. It's better. Everybody back to one. Everybody back to the spot. That's the joke, you know. And it ended up in the episode that way. So, um, and that happens quite a bit. I mean, they're good. They're good about it.
1: Oh wow. Uh, so uh, I talked to you a little bit earlier this morning about I love the '80s. Now that's when I first discovered you. Sure. I, I still even I still remember the joke too. It was uh, you were talking about that song. I want to know what love is. Mm-hmm. And your bit was uh, that's the kind of song you sing in the car by yourself. Yeah. Right. Just, yeah. And when I saw it, I I, I died, man. And I, I kept watching, just waiting for you and a, a couple other to pop up so how did you get involved with that they were originally they didn't know what the show was going to be they thought they were going to interview um,
2: people on red carpets and Brad Pitt would walk by on the red carpet and the person from VH1 would go do you have a Rubik's Cube what was that like but did you kids like fucking Care Bears or whatever the shit (laughs) and they didn't they had this idea that it was going to do they were just going to get all this footage from red carpets and have celebrities talking about their memories of the 80s never worked didn't have enough footage or they couldn't get clearance or whatever the hell happened so they were like, "Let's just fill in the gaps," and we, you know, we know Hal from Talk Soup, and he's, you know, he's uh, we friends here. So let's bring him in. You can just sit down for a couple hours, and we'll just ask you a few questions about these topics where we need kind of jokes to bring us to this, and we'll make it more like a documentary. And so I came in to sit down for two hours, and I got up eight hours later. And they were like, "I think we know what the show is now. Just make a bunch of jokes," and and that's what we did. I just sat there for. I did another eight-hour session the next day, and we just did. I just whatever they brought up I just fired away I just made up jokes on the spot
1: so they would just tell you like okay like what, what can you tell us about the Rubik's Cube what yeah, can you tell right. us they're about like Durant, Durant, Teddy Ruxpin yeah exactly yeah.
2: and um, 2XL and the Intellivision and whatever that you and know. you
1: just went off your memory yeah
2: all of it. All of it's improv there's wow. a, every single thing in that is improv and I'm proud of that fact and, and they would offer you prep stuff they're like we'll give you a book of stuff if you want to look at it and I was like I don't want to see shit I don't want to like I, I don't even want to go anywhere near it you know and Because if I remember it, it'll be real when I say it. And if I don't remember it, I'll say, I hated that shit. My friend Gary listened to that. And that's a joke in and of itself. It's, at least it's real.
1: Yeah. So you are I've interviewed a lot of comedians. You're the only one to ever actually mention Blackadder. Are you a fan of Ron oh, Atkinson? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm a diehard fan of all of his work, his whole yeah. collective body. Who, who are some of your other influences? Um, well, uh, growing up, stand-up-wise, it was
2: Carlin, Steve Martin, Richard Pryor, Godfrey Cambridge, Shelley Berman, um, the... Uh, Lenny Bruce, um, Eddie Murphy, Delirious, of course, oh, was pivotal yeah. for a lot of people, um, and myself included. Um, then a lot of comic actors had a huge influence on me. I loved Peter Sellers, you know, uh, The Party, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> Dr. Strangelove, um, the early Clouseaus, especially before Blake Edwards started fucking with them a little bit and softening them up. Um, Gene Wilder, um, Madeline Kahn, who you know, Young Frankenstein, and, and High Anxiety is just fucking bulletproof. Like that woman was so goddamn funny. It was just she's just bulletproof. So fucking naturally, just exuding humor. Um, uh, one of my favorite movies is Yellowbeard um, you know I, I grew up with like early Chevy Chase which is I love the arrogance aspect I've always loved arrogant Swagger, comedy yeah. always loved arrogant comedy and I think that's missing this day because yeah. the, the only arrogant comics we have are either sexist dicks or, or just mean and that's not the same thing people no. mistake comedic arrogance for actually being arrogant that's yeah, not the same thing definitely and, and a lot of the everybody else is a shoegazer half yeah. the time you know they're like staring at the what else do I want to talk about uh, hug the I'm mic awkward chest, it's yeah, weird yeah. yeah it's not awkward and weird don't pretend no, you're just, no. you're two best friends when you're a comic is arrogance and stupidity you have to be completely full of yourself and stupid enough to think that you're going to make it in spite of the odds Yeah. which logistically are ridiculous 2% of 2% make it so, Thanks. you have to be stupid to think that you're going to win. That's totally fine. You can get confident later, but in the beginning, you got to be arrogant and stupid.
1: Uh, that brings me to my next question. If you could have any advice, like, uh, what was something that you wish you had learned or like that? Oh, like- that it's a. It, well, I always knew it was a time
2: game. So, I, I just knew that I would cure, like, like wine over time, you just have to keep marching, and your your nervous system changes as you do stand up over the years. It just does, and after ten, after ten years of doing it, you'll go, oh, oh, that's who I am as a stand up. That's what's meaningful. And then ten years later, as great as you were ten years before, you'll go, Jesus, that was terrible. I'm so much better now. And 10 years after that, you'll kind of grow into the new version of yourself. And it's one of the few art forms where you can do that. Like guitar players get stuck in the same fucking riffs and go over and over and over again. But as a comedian, you can get better forever. You know, it's it's rare that there's an art form where you can do that. Painters get stuck in ruts all the time. Painting the same stuff, never change a lick. But but stand up specifically have the ability to alter over time and become a completely new comedian and still service their idea and their identity and that's rare so that i enjoy like i'm not i and my biggest change was and and this was this is more like advice for anybody who's on the edge of making it or actually does your act is going to change once you're known you can't because unless you're you know it was you just you've got like a puppet show and that's what you fucking do that's fine but um, like my whole act, initially, a long time ago, was nobody listens to me. That was kind of the general tone of what I did. Like I'm giving you this advice and I'm telling you people this, nobody listens to me. It was almost like this don't have, I don't get no respect kind of concept. Yeah, like but yeah. I never said it, but that was the essence of what I was doing. It's like, why the fuck don't you realize? But the minute you get on television, everybody listens to you, whether you deserve it or not. So going up on stage and going, nobody listens to me, the audience knows that's bullshit. So I had to retool my act from scratch once I got Toxu. Like, my whole act didn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because the material wasn't funny. It was just the tone and the direction I was coming from wasn't genuine anymore. I wasn't this loner who was ice skating uphill against the industry. I was inside now. So now it was, even within this, where are we going? Alright, and now I'm, now I'm in this bus. Who's driving?
1: Mm. you know and that yeah. was it,
2: that's more of a you know and then if if you guys sit there long enough I'm gonna
1: start driving it's, it's basically the warning so was that a decision like did you think I had it to evolve or was it, was it like a realization
2: yeah you know, oh that, okay and, yeah I, I just had a couple of epiphanies where I was like why isn't that joke flying and I was like cause it's bullshit because I don't feel that way anymore, and they don't feel that way about me anymore. The audience isn't going, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Because yeah. who's the fuck this is this guy? And then you prove this is who this fucking guy is. Is a is a comedic turn for the audience. Nobody becoming somebody right in front of them is meaningful. Somebody acting like they're nobody is a lie. And so whether you and and I wasn't that huge yet, but it still didn't matter. The tonal idea that look, you live in Hollywood, people think, "Oh, you're Hollywood." That's it. Hmm. Whether you're fucking ice skating uphill against the industry or not, it doesn't matter to them. You live there, you've been on TV. Half this country, the minute you walk on stage, if you've been on TV, that's a whole life
1: change. Yeah. How big big was Spider-Man 2 for your career? Depends. I mean, it's like equal to...
2: Well, I'd say it's equal to Dude Where's My Car, but... The, but Dude Where's My Car has actually gotten bigger over the last couple of years because yeah. of the Pirates. The Pirates started using the Zoltan hand symbol as yeah. their kind of good luck thing. And that brought that up out of nowhere. That was so
1: weird. <laughs> was really that awesome. weird? Awesome. Yeah, it's
2: terrific. It's totally great. But, uh, like, n- totally unexpected. Totally. Like, absurdly unexpected. Yeah. Um... And You know, cu- curiously, because my character on Queer as Folk was a comic book nerd, people thought it was related or had something to do with him. It really was, a fan knew I was into comic books and specifically knew I, knew, like Spider-Man, wrote me an email saying they're looking for somebody to do a comedy scene with Spider-Man because they have to recast it. You should go in. And I called my agent and I was like, I want to go in. They're like, nah why bother? It's kind of like this little cameo-y kind of thing. I'm like, I don't have any movies yet. I'm a TV actor at this point. Yeah. It's all meaningful. Plus it's a blockbuster. Give me the, f- and it's, it's with a, Sam it's Raimi. Yeah. Sam Raimi is my favorite fucking director. Get me in there. They're no longer my agent for the record. Oh, nice. Um, and stopped right after that because yeah. I left. Um, but I auditioned like everybody else I sat in a room with you know ten other people and it was lucky for me that nobody in LA can improvise because that's what they asked us to do oh really in the
1: the audition they asked you to improvise
2: because in a lot of those they don't want to give out a script because they don't want to get out what's going on oh yeah but in this particular instance they didn't have a dummy scene they just walked in and said you're in an elevator with Spider-Man go and um I've mentioned this before, but everybody who went in before me was just going, whoa, Spider-Man in an elevator. What are you doing in a Spider-Man elevator? Spider-Man, and you're in an elevator. It was the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. And I went in angry. I was like, this is dumb. Okay, I'll give you three versions. I'm going to give you three versions. Just know this. The first one's completely silent and short. The second one's the one that ended up in the movie. The third one is uh, this longer one that's actually in Spider-Man 2.1. You buy the
1: yeah, DVD. I have that. I had that DVD. Yeah, yeah that I've was, seen that it. one. Yeah. I,
2: that that was my. Audition. It was a lot longer. Yeah, yeah, that was my audition. Really? That I wrote, was, but you know, so yeah, absolutely. So I'm like half the extra footage in that fucking movie. <laughs> and Sam was, uh, I mean, that was an amazing thing working with Sam.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, just because, I, I mean, Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, like. Dude's just a genius. So Dark man.
1: Have you always been kind of quick on your feet? You're really skilled when it comes to improvising, especially if... I well, went to
2: Second City for four years, ah, okay. so I, I trained myself in that. Um, I played snaps as a kid with my friends, so <laughs> yeah. that was part of it as well. Um, I was always short, so you always had to have some sort of sharp comeback. Um... And I'm a know-it-all, and I'm completely full of myself. So that that mix ma- guarantees that I'll field questions well.
1: Awesome. So so what's coming up next for you as we wrap this up?
2: Kind of. Oh well, I'm shooting this. I'm doing uh, four short films by the end of the year because I I started a production company with the idea of like furthering my directing. So um, to do that, I'm I'm basically doing a series of shorts as examples of the work that I want to do, and then uh, feature next year. Um, that I'm not, it's it's supernatural, but uh, we're doing that, we're shooting that next summer, um, and right as I end, lab rats, yeah. Yeah. Um, although this is this may be my last season on lab rats because that's how Disney works, so I'm going, we'll see what there's pilots that I'm interested in in pilot season. That's you know, that's always the, the outlier where you're like, I don't know if that'll happen or it won't happen or if it'll be great or if it'll go away so that's the great thing about this career you always have to hustle you know and then another stand-up special um, that's what I'm I was working on tonight Mm is the set for that
1: Which was yeah. it was a
2: fantastic set. Uh,
1: Thanks. Where where
2: where can we find you online? At Hellsparks on on uh, on Twitter, um, the Hellsparks Fang page F A N G, on uh, on on Facebook, and then uh, YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. It's Five Park Five Nation. But you can go like I think it's TV
1: is the link that will take you there. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Thank
2: you for your energy and information.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this this is Sarah, this is my girlfriend. Oh, she's yeah. also I to she's my my writing partner. Uh, right on. she she does most of the heavy lifting with the writing. Yeah, Excellent. When I yeah. to LA, met with Warner Brothers, didn't sell anything, but it was like within four months I had a meeting, so I'm like it was thanks to podcasts. I got yeah. my education and it was nothing compared to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everything I learned from the nerdist writers panel. Sure. Do you do you have a podcast?
2: Totally. No. I, I do a radio show, you know, oh, that's, my, my yeah. political radio show. We we put that up, you know, it's on my SoundCloud. Um, but I don't do a separate podcast. I, am I, I'm, I'm really centering my stuff on because I. have got to be a lot more of visual too, yeah, yeah, I tend to be more visual, so I'm really focusing on building my YouTube channel over the next year. That's mm-hmm. going to be my kind of podcast version of stuff, as opposed to just audio. So it's you know it's a variant on that. That's just.
1: Is direction like directing where you want to go? Like kind of is that your it's next? Always been part of it, but will
2: yeah. it'll never eclipse anything else. It's just another Amazing. thing that's actually worked. And I'm directing including lab Rats, two other shows on disney's oh, wow. on disney channel this year yeah. so they the the deal i worked out is that every episode i'm in as an actor they have to give me a directing episode too so nice. if they need me for eight episodes then i need eight directing assignments as deal, well good agents wow. yeah good <laughs> move. that was my idea yeah, <laughs> yeah. <He's,
1: laughs> you have to kind of take reins of your career right that's what it seems like to me because like i feel like a lot of guys put their careers in the hands of other people like i, I don't have a manager or an yeah. agent i'm you know, working on what I got right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, eventually here's the thing. At a certain point you do have to get, it's
2: scary. You had to hand the reins over to people for a while. And, but you got to be careful who that person is. And then a lot of times you will have to seize them back. No matter how good that person is, they will wane after a while or they'll get lazy or what have you. And you just go, uh-uh, no. let's go. Okay. I'm going to find somebody who wants to, you know, take care of this part of it for me for a while. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Agents do what they're told. They'll suggest stuff to you, but you have to, at a certain point, you have to be able, willing to make the decision. And the hardest thing is saying no to shit that's dumb,
0: because it's work.
2: Yeah. And agents never—they're—they're they're temp agencies. What? Understand that an agency's really, really, really what it is—is in—in—in in all actuality, is a temp agency. Just like people hiring fucking typists. Warner Brothers Company, we got a temporary job. It's two years long. The contract is for two years. It's on this series playing this character. whatever. Yes, right. And we need a temp performer. Yes. This is so not a permanent you know job an for anybody. Everything is a temp job. Yeah. They are bonded as temp agencies. They're all... CAA is viewed by the state of California as a temp agency. That's how they are bonded. Wow. That's why they can't take on clients because they have to have a certain number of bonds per client. So they have to put 50 grand away for every person they have as a client and they can because it's bonded they can get 5% of that and if once they reach a certain number of people they can put in you know 1% or what have you but they still that's why they're going we can't take on any more people and you're like well, why the fuck can't you take on some more people yeah. well, that guy's not working I'll work and you think that well they have to bond so that they rip you off by check, cashing your checks and never telling you you got any then you can sue them and they have money in the bank to at, in the bonded agency to give it back to you just like they did with a fucking typist it, it's a year's salary for an average office worker so they have to bond away a year's salary wow. no matter what agency it is managers don't have to do that hmm. so they can take on dozens of fucking people and never get around it because they're just pointing you they can't legally uh negotiate a contract you have to have a lawyer to do that or the agent to do that they can talk about it all the process but somebody else has to write it down because they're not bonded to do that
1: wow yeah Wow. so that's, so much. that's yeah. exactly it that's you have to impressive. know
2: that's why they have to dump somebody wow. to take you on yeah. is because they've only got a certain number of bonded I people
1: bounced around a lot i'm like there's no reason because i worked for disney for a little mm-hmm. bit like a few up, like 13 episodes i was signed on for i did like four mm-hmm. yeah. yeah this makes so much sense
2: yeah uh, yeah they're temp cool. agencies oh, cool. and so and, and so you wouldn't if you were let's say you wanted to be a ceo of your own company one day but you're. Starting out on the, you know, in the mailroom or something, and a temp agency got you that job in a mailroom. Eventually, would you use that same temp agency that got you the mailroom gig to get you the CAO gig? No, you'd eventually seize it yourself. Yeah. You'd eventually have to make your own product, build well, your right. own company, know what you know, and start your own thing. And that's what everybody does. Look at everybody. I mean, yeah. Brad Pitt has Plan you know, B. So, totally it's an, it's you know, a, a, is, his he's with Brosteen you know, Gray. Plan B's offices are on second floor. Brillstein's on the third floor. Huh. Like, he didn't even move far.
1: <laughs> just to be convenient.
0: Yeah. Oh. Wow. Yeah. kind of makes sense yeah. of the
1: direction I'm headed in my writing career as well as opening up a company this week. Mm-hmm. a small media company just to put all my stuff through
0: yeah.
2: tax yeah. wise Right. And I'm like, I guess I have to do this. Yes. I'm not a
1: lawyer. Yeah. And I just wrote a book on it. And it's I now legal it, it. Who yeah. a shit? Yeah. Exactly. See, it's yeah. got to be a, a, a corporation anyways. Months. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, yeah. yeah I got right three. Now. Yeah, I have two okay, production wait. companies
2: and, an, <laughs> yeah. and a media company that I had to start for the different stuff. I have one company for stand-up and one company for my production stuff, and that's how it's oh, going to wow. work. Wow.
1: Yeah.
2: So if one of them goes bankrupt it gets fucked up or I, you know, I eat it, I can always dump it off into that. So yeah. oh, wow. That's what big companies do. That's yeah. why Disney has Miramax and all that shit. They can firewall themselves. Yeah. No, it's the same reason you have more than one tooth in your mouth. Because if it gets rotten, you've got no tooth. Yeah. Whereas if one tooth goes rotten in your mouthful, at least you just have one gap and you can still keep chewing. That's that's the business model. Thank God we're in America. Oh, wait, right. that's not part of Obamacare. So we're going to keep working
1: on that. Dental? Yeah. <laughs> so so you, that's why you kind of kill it in all the fields, then, right? So Ubiquity, man. You yeah. don't have, I didn't have
2: anybody, I had no friends in the industry, I had no family in the industry. I moved out to LA with all my shit and that was it. So I just had to bulldoze everywhere. By the time I was 21, I was producing segments for the Disney Channel on a show called Umba Macumba, you know, and doing stand up and on a series called uh, uh, Nightstand, playing this character Father Chip with some regularity. I call the '90s the Sisyphus years. They just I'd roll the rock up the hill, and everything yeah. would roll back down. Yeah. Wow. And to some degree, you go through those periods, no matter what level you're at. You know, look yeah. at the stress level of actors who are trying to get their next hit. Oh, yeah. and they just had a $300 million box office yeah. on a movie, and they're like, "I don't know what." And I'm like, what do you have to fucking worry about? You just made $80 million. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that's because wow. that that's half that's gone. 10 of it, 20% of it went to my agent manager. He has made $20 million, and your house costs twice that. Yeah, you live in California. Right, man. Fall yeah. in the ocean, yeah. anyways.
1: Dude, <laughs> thank you, know, you so much, absolutely. man. Absolutely. Thank you. Pleasure. Yeah. Good luck. And I'd love to have you on again when you come back. Yeah. yeah. Have week. La-de-da, la-de-da. I see trees are green. clouds of white the bright blessed days the dark sacred night and I think to myself